despite the fact that the majority of the world unscripturally places a spiritual significance on this upcoming holiday. The fact is that Christmas can have some very debilitating effects on us spiritually. The way we in our society celebrate the Christmas holiday has some very inherent dangers in it. In fact, Christmas can cripple our Christianity if we're not careful with how we live our lives during this time. And so throughout this week, I want to encourage you to enjoy the time you have with family. I want to encourage you to enjoy the food. I know I certainly am. I want to encourage you to enjoy the swapping of gifts and presents. But I also want to encourage you, don't let Christmas cripple your Christianity. And this morning what I'd like to do is demonstrate in three ways in which the way we often celebrate and the way our society pushes this holiday, three ways in which it can cripple our spirituality and how we can keep from doing that. The very first thing that I want to encourage us is to make sure that Christmas does not cripple our contentment in Christ with greed and materialism. Certainly, some believe that because of all the giving of gifts we're going to do, that during this time of year it ought to heighten our understanding of our Lord's words that Paul revealed in Acts 20 and verse 35. In Acts 20 and verse 35, Paul pointed out, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We might think that it would heighten that understanding, and yet, for very many people, it doesn't heighten understanding of that at all. Certainly, we're going to buy lots of gifts and we're going to give lots of gifts, but what's most important to us, what am I going to get? Boy, I can't wait for Christmas morning when I get to open up all those shiny presents and find out what everybody gave me because that's what it's all about. Oh, there's so many things that I want and Christmas provides the way that I can have them for free. That shouldn't be what it's about. And yet I know when I walk into stores, Best Buy, Circuit City, and I see all kinds of things I'd like to have. How about you? And TV doesn't help. We watch commercials that pressure us and push us with statements of, I want, I need, I deserve, I've got to have. And then during this time of year, so many get caught up in believing, you know, if I just got such, whatever, fill in the blank, then everything would be all right. Then I'd be happy. Then I could go on and everything would be good. What happens though when we get that mindset? If we as Christians begin to have that mindset, we'll be violating Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21. Matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse 19, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Our life is not about what we get down here. It's about heaven, and that's what we need to be thinking about. And verse 24 demonstrates the great danger of violating this principle. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, the Scripture says, No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. When we begin to focus on what I get and what I want, we're in danger of serving two masters. And eventually one of them has to win out. And we, we may be led away from serving God. Remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul pointed out to us, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Greediness can pierce us with many sorrows. It can turn us away from our faithfulness and it can cripple our Christianity. How do we overcome this? How do we make sure that this mindset doesn't infiltrate our lives and we don't allow our Christianity to be crippled? There's three things that we need to do. Number one, look in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, the Hebrew writer said, Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. I don't even need to learn contentment with what I already have. But notice what the Hebrew writer was talking about here. He was not talking about being content with the possessions I already have. Keep reading in Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What is it that the Hebrew writer says we have with which we should be content? We're Christians. We have God. God is with us. And so whether I have all the possessions I want or not, I should be content because God is on my side. And God will provide all that I need and God will provide a home in heaven for me. But I also need to follow the advice of Philippians chapter 4. I need to be content having God on my side, and that's going to help me do this second thing. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul says, in Philippians 4.11, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Because Paul was content having God, he had learned to be content in whatever state he was in, whether he was abounding or abased. He had learned to be content. Whether it's a time of plenty or a time of very little, I need to learn to be content. There are going to be times in our lives where we have plenty. And there are going to be times when we don't. And there are going to be times in our lives when those who are around us have more than we have, and there's going to be times in our lives when we have more than them. We need to be content. Thanking God for what He's given us, because no matter how much, how much we have or how little, we've got more than we deserve. Paul says, I've learned how to be content, whatever state I'm in. We need to do that. 
The third thing to help keep greediness and materialism out of our lives can be found in Luke 14 and verse 12. In Luke 14 and verse 12, Jesus provided this instruction. In Luke 14 and verse 12, He said, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. To keep greed and materialism from crippling my Christianity, I need to learn to give without expecting anything back in return. I understand that this statement is elliptical. I understand that the meaning behind this statement is don't just invite all these rich folks, but also these. But the point is still that I need to learn to give without expecting anything in return. If I'm going to keep Christmas from crippling my Christianity, I've got to avoid greed and materialism. I need to be content having God. I need to be content in whatever state I'm in, and I need to learn to give to others without expecting anything in return. The second danger that Christmas poses to our spirituality is we have to make sure not to allow Christmas to cripple our joy from Christ with depression. Even though Andy Williams sang it's the most wonderful time of the year, do you realize that in fact more people get depressed in December than any time of the year? More people suffer with depression over the following two weeks than any other time here in America. And they'll suffer from depression for various reasons. Some will become depressed because they didn't get what they wanted. Some will become depressed because they did get what they wanted and two or three days later they felt just as miserable as they did before. It didn't provide that lasting happiness and that's depressing. Some will become debt depressed when they receive that first credit card bill or the payment for their holiday loan comes due. Others become depressed because this time of year reminds them of the loved ones they've lost that aren't here. But whatever the reason, depression is dangerous for us. And it has a twofold danger. Depression number one will take our thoughts away from others and focus them on self. In Philippians chapter 2, Philippians Chapter 2, verse 3, Paul said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. But when I allow depression to take hold in my life, who do I spend my time thinking about? Me. I spend my time thinking about what I want and don't have, about who I want to be with and they're not there, about all the mistakes I've made, all that. But who am I thinking? I'm thinking about me. I'm not thinking about anyone else. I'm putting their interests first. I'm thinking about my interests. But secondly, not only does it turn us away from others, depression can turn us against God. Because how often do the depressed get mad at God? How often do they believe God must not be on my side anymore? God must not be with me. After all, if He was, why would I feel so miserable? And then their spirituality starts to slip. How can we keep depression 
from crippling our Christianity. Regarding those first two sources of depression, the idea of getting what you want or not getting what you want, just go back to what we said in point one. Get rid of the greed and materialism. Be content with God. Be content with what you have. Get rid of that and you'll overcome the depression. Regarding the debt depression, very simple. Don't rack up any debt. Your world will not come to an end if you don't get everything for your kids that you would like to give them. And neither will their world come to an end. Get what you can pay for. Believe me, you'll enjoy it more and you'll be happier when you do that. But if you've already racked up the debt, listen, we've still got a couple of days. And in fact, you haven't given it to them yet. Even if you can't get it back to the store by December 25th, you can return it on the 26th. I'm telling you, you'll be happier if you follow that advice. Because when that bill comes due, somehow the few minutes of joy won't be worth it anymore. Especially if you have kids like everybody else and you racked up a lot of debt, but they spent more time playing with the box. You can get those free. Perhaps the only legitimate one of the four that we mentioned was the idea of dealing with the loss of a loved one. Certainly during this time of year, it's natural to think about that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But depression, if we allow it to get a hold of our lives, even for that reason, is dangerous. How do I overcome that? Well, really, it's actually in the same way that we overcome the first danger. Go back to Hebrews 13.5. In Hebrews 13.5, it says, Let your conduct be without covenants. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We need to spend more time thinking about who is with us than who is not with us. We need to think about God who is there to strengthen and comfort us. And that's where our contentment and joy needs to be anchored. And also, we need to turn to others. But others do not help us with our depression by us calling them and saying, you know, I'm really depressed. Can you do something to cheer me up? It just doesn't work that way. If you're depressed, there's not a single solitary thing I can do to cheer you up. I like to think that I'm funny. I like to think that I can tell a good joke. But when I'm done, you're still going to be just as miserable and likely it wasn't that good and it's going to make things worse. But i tell you how others can't help you. It's by you helping them. We go back to Philippians chapter 2 again. Remember what it said? Let nothing be done. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. When we step outside of ourselves and we start looking at their interests, and we call up others and find out, what can I do to help you? What can I do to accomplish your interests and your desires, you know what will happen? My thoughts will turn away from all my depressions. And I'll start thinking about how I've helped others. And I'll be able to overcome depression. Depression can be dangerous and crippling. Don't let it cripple your Christianity this year. 
The third danger that Christmas presents to our spirituality. We must not allow Christmas to cripple our commitment to Christ with other distractions. Andy Williams saying it's the most wonderful time of the year. It would have been more accurate if he was saying it's the most busy time of the year. We've got all kinds of things we're supposed to do, don't we? We've got all kinds of things we're trying to accomplish. And there's all kinds of distractions going on right now that don't happen any other time of the year. And because of that, we can become distracted from our commitment to Christ. And it often happens in two areas. Time and money. We're visiting with family. We've got concerts we've got to go to. We've got benefits we've got to go to. We've got, we've got to travel to this person's house the week before to have Christmas with, with her family. We've got to go next week with my family and all these other things that we might be doing. And the Bible study kind of gets shoved to the side because we don't have time for that. Prayer life kind of gets pushed to the back burner because I just don't have time for that. We don't have time to talk to people about the gospel, which is kind of sad. It's truly a tragedy because this is the one time of the year that just about everybody's willing to hear something about the gospel. And so often we're too busy to ever talk about it. Can't make it to services. After all, we're going to be traveling or we've got family coming in and I don't get to spend much time with them. I can always go to church again next week. As one cousin of mine once said, don't you think God will understand? I think God will understand that if I forsake the assembly, I violated Hebrews 10.25. Got to make time for God and for serving Him and money. Oh, there's so many things to spend money on. We got all these meals we're going to prepare, all the gifts that we're going to buy, all the little fundraisers of wrapping paper and presents that we've got to give money to, and all those things. And sadly, because creditors will call and ask for money, and elders won't, typically the first thing to go when we get on a tight spot is the contribution. And sadly, it's not always the December contribution, but sometimes the contribution for the next year is spent making payments on last year's Christmas. We need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, the Scripture there says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We're supposed to be seeking God's kingdom and righteousness first, not a happy Christmas first. God's kingdom and righteousness needs to govern our lives. And what that means is we have to follow what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, Paul demonstrated the secret to his success of being able to avoid the crippling effects of anything that we might do in our society. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I've got to discipline myself. I've got to bring it into subjection. There are things that I want. Things that the world tells me I need and I deserve. But I need to discipline myself and bring myself into subjection to God's will. First. 
then I can avoid the crippling effect. Don't let Christmas cripple your Christianity. This week, enjoy yourself. Have a good time. If you're going to stay up late with folks and party, that's fine. No drinking. If you're going to go travel, that's great. If you've been blessed and you're able to buy lots of gifts for other folks, that's wonderful. If you're going to eat lots of food, that's, that's good. Remember what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, the writer said, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. This week, remember your Creator. Have a good time. Enjoy. But remember your Creator. And don't allow Christmas to cripple your Christianity. Would you pull out your songbooks, please? 